0: jump shot at show, Zach Randolph does it again,
1: three point game, they've got to go for three now, no choice, Conley for three, time it that, first team all defense, first team all defense, here's Gasol from outside, good, a three, yes, here's Randolph with six tenths of a second. Tony Allen. Shot clock at four. Puts it up, puts it up. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King. For this show, a Tuesday edition of the show like we do every single week, Amari Sankofa from The Athletic joins us. But before we get to that, make sure you go and uh, subscribe to this podcast and whatever platform you choose so you don't miss an episode every single day. Conversations like this, conversations like Joe Monix and Grizzly Bear Blues, among others. So I appreciate you guys doing that. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything at all. Amari, what's going
1: on, man? Man, it's going pretty well. Uh, it's been a uh, an, an uptick for the Grizzlies, which make this episode a lot more fun. Uh, you know, I'm sure people are freaking out a little bit after that that five game skid, but things have stabilized a little bit.
0: Yeah, let's let's start with the past this past weekend. Um, obviously, a lot happened. They they lost to the Kings, which again, I guess, a lot of people thought they would win. But in terms of the loss, and I said it on my show yesterday that you know. If you just isolated that Kings loss, like and, and you didn't have all the other all the other like string of losses before that, if you just isolated that Friday night loss and you go, you know what, they played really well and they're in it, they just they just lost the game. Like it wouldn't have been that big a deal, but it it all of a sudden becomes a bigger deal because you have four losses before it and you've already lost to the Kings once and you're quote unquote a team you should beat. Um, but the Kings have been playing well lately, you know, and so I was encouraged by the Friday night game against the Kings, even though they had the loss. I thought it kind of set them up for the, the game against the Lakers
1: and the Hawks. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. Uh, they came out strong last Friday. Uh, they had a 10 or 11-point lead after the first quarter, and for whatever reason, they, they just couldn't sustain it. But the Kings have been a good team. You know, you look at their last 10, 15 games, and they've been dramatically better than they have been uh, for the previous 45, You know, however many games uh, prior to that. And I guess when you look at the Grizzlies from like an overall perspective, uh, post All Star break, uh, they had a series of pretty losable games, obviously, with the Lakers, Clippers, Rockets. And I think coming out the gate with that first Kings loss is what, uh, kind of screwed them up a little bit. But you look at it and really they're only one game off the pace you probably would have expected them to be at this point, given that they did bounce back and they beat the Lakers by 20 a uh, day later, uh, last Saturday. And I think that's another game that people probably expected that they would lose, being the second game of a of a road home back to back. Well, sorry, a home home back to back. The game starting to run together in my mind a little bit. Um, but you know, but they've certainly bounced back, and they and they look better uh, for sure. You know, I don't think anybody would have pegged them to uh, beat the Lakers. I mean, even even if they had Brandon Clark and Jerry Jackson, here healthy, it would have been tough. So uh, to see them have these, these two games where they win by a combined sixty points, you know, by their they're still depleted with injuries. Uh, you know, it certainly bodes well for them as they uh approach the next five weeks or so.
0: What what do you make of the the Lakers win? Is it is it the exception or is it the rule? I mean do you do you think I, I think I obviously it was just a kind of a one off thing, but um in terms of what they're able to do, if they ever get to the postseason against the first round of Lakers, what do you think of a matchup against the Lakers is like for the Grizzlies? Um, in terms of that win on Saturday, I mean, I guess what do you? I just don't know if it was if it was just like a one-off thing where the Lakers just playing really bad or, or what?
1: I think it was a one-off thing. If they played the Lakers in a uh, seven-game series, I think I think they would lose in four or five for sure. Uh, they just, I mean, it would it would it would be shocking, you know, to see. LeBron and Anthony Davis do more than two games in that series. But with that said, I think it, it could have been a one-off thing. Uh, at the same time, it was the first time that they played the Lakers close this season, especially at home. I think they lost by one point when they hosted the Lakers back in November. And when John Morant locked in like he was on Saturday, uh, the Grizzlies are just a significantly better team. Uh, we saw the Lakers have to adjust their covers just repeatedly to accommodate for John, who was you know making shots from outside. He was 4-6 from three. And, You know, of course, his his passing was as good as ever. He had 14 assists. When you have a guy like that who can just get you bucket after bucket after bucket, whether it's him, you know, scoring himself or just setting up his teammates, it makes it a lot easier to not only build that type of lead, but hold on to it as well. I mean, earlier in the season, we saw the Grizzlies build a lot of leads and not be able to keep them. So uh, it wasn't the first time they built a big lead against a good team. Uh, They've done that a few times this year, even before uh this recent stretch you know in the last two or three months where they've been above average teams so when jobs doing that it just makes it a lot easier to hold on to that type of lead and i think that's what we saw
0: and we saw them get kind of get back on the right side of things in terms of offensively on friday um what 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 do you think this is more about is it is it is it jaws dylan everybody all together i i kind of i think i said that it was look you know whenever Whenever you're two of your five best starters and Jonas and Dylan aren't playing very good and and they're not scoring the basketball, it's really hard to win games. Um, And we saw that happen on Friday night. Um, Same thing for you. Is it just these guys got back to playing correct or got back to playing better? Or or is there something different that I didn't see?
1: I think guys got back to playing better. Uh, Not only were the the injuries a factor, I think, in in some of those losses last week, but Dylan and and Jonas weren't playing that well offensively as like as well, especially Dylan. Uh, after playing the best basketball of his career, he had a, a three-and-a-half-week stretch where he was playing the worst basketball of his career. And, you know, we all bring up that Dylan Brooks stat. You know, I think the Grizzlies are – I forget the exact number now, but they only have three losses, I think, when, when Dylan Brooks scores more than 20 points. And uh, when Dylan Brooks is locked in, you know, he's scored the ball well, it just lifts the entire ceiling for the scene. 'Cause it takes a lot of pressure off of John, it takes a lot of pressure off of Alan Tunis. And Taylor offense uh, basically requires a wing who is a draft from outside to kind of keep uh defenses honest. Uh, I mean we've seen that repeatedly this season. Whenever Dylan Brooks played as well, the Grizzly certainly win. So him snapping that slump, uh I think was a, a major factor in it, you know, as was Valentunis, who uh's having a I mean, he's having a great season obviously, but uh we saw Don Distress on Saturday against the Lakers. Uh he and Joc could make a pretty uh, formidable two-man uh, punch, you know, out of out of pink and rose, especially when John is a, a draft from outside, so uh, John can't do it by himself, you know, I think I think those guys have to have more good games than bad, you know, over the next handful uh, of games if the Grizzlies want to hang on to the safety. Yeah,
0: but uh, if the Grizzlies are going to win a win games on a regular basis, uh, especially right now, it's going to take a big game from John Morant. I mean, it's just gonna. I mean, and whether that's passing, whether that's shooting, whether that's scoring, he's gonna have to be heavily involved in, in every action almost for the Grizzlies to be you know, to be good. I mean, he's your best player, obviously, especially with Brandon Clark and and Jaren Jackson Jr. out. It's just gonna take games when John Morant. We saw that against the Lakers, where uh, again, like you mentioned, one of his past, best passing games of the year, one of his, probably his best games altogether, but you know, he was doing a lot of different things uh, and not just scoring the basketball when they adjusted coverage for him on the pick and roll uh, they started to adjust their coverage on the offense. So, um, and I believe, I don't know if it was you that had that quote with him and Taylor talking for was Peter, one of the other, but I thought that was really good Intel in terms of how they talked about the way they covered their offense when they adjusted, when they started of blitz Ja more on the pick and roll, how they adjusted their offense and what Ja what he sees in the court is just so impressive. I thought that was really, uh, I think that was your quote or one of Peter's or one of the other talking about that. But I think that was just um, that was really impressive to see Ja and Taylor work on the same page in terms of what they're able to do and how they attack
1: the Lakers defensively. Yeah, and uh, I think Ja said before the game or. Taylor said before the game that, uh, you know, when it comes to giving John ja the keys to the offense, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of give and take and uh, push and pull. You know, Taylor doesn't want to micromanage his guys too much. He wants them to be, able to, uh, be em- em- empowered and, you know, have some say in uh, how the game is going and how the game is being fixated. obviously. So, uh, I mean, we definitely saw that down the stretch. You know, I think John, ja, you know, for one, obviously, he knows what he has to do. Uh, every every single night, you know, to lead the, the team to victory. He can't do it every single night, uh, you know, just because the grizzlies, especially if Alter Jaren are a little, you know, crippled offensively from a spacing standpoint. But uh once he began to get a couple of threes to fall, uh and the you know, the Lakers began to do more to, to try to get the ball out, out of his hands and start going over screens and whatnot. Yeah, you know, like Taylor, you know, trusted that John just made the right decisions from there and more often than not, John began to take the ball inside, you know, which is what his preference is and he has space and and then from there you can hit the the floater or the mid range shot or uh, sneak the ball into Valentino's who you know of course is a great finisher near the rim, and a lot of those passes to JV weren't even the cleanest looks, but Josh is so good at you know buying extra seconds, enough time to get the ball in there that uh, he could create looks that you know some players as could to be just because of the passes he's, he's able to. So. Uh, John definitely has empowerment in this offense. Uh, you know, he's obviously very, very smart. He reads the game well. Uh, you can see what defenses are doing, and, and there is a back and forth between him and Taylor to figure out the best way to attack.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and it just speaks to uh, you know how good John ran is and passing, and just seeing the court all together. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. The Grizzlies signed a new player yesterday. We'll talk about that coming up. Welcome back to the show. We talk with Amari Sankofa from The Athletic, like we do every single week. The Grizzlies waived Jordan Bell yesterday, signed Anthony Tolliver, a 12-year veteran. It's been uh several different uh teams, uh, several different teams this year. Uh, but I I I saw I didn't really when, when they signed uh Tolliver, I, I kind of um you know, I it's not like it's a gonna just knock you down on your on your face signing, but In terms of what he does, he is a guy, a stretch big, who can, uh, his career 38% three-point free, a shooter can knock down those shots. We saw against the Hawks he did that very thing, but is a guy that fits this type of offense. And once you take that into consideration and take that into account of this is a guy who fits this type of offense, exactly what Taylor's looking to do, and it feels a void right now when you have Brandon Clark and Jared Jackson Jr. hurt in terms of a stretch big who can shoot. That's exactly what they need. Uh, what did you think of the signing and the waving of Jordan Bell?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Tyler, for one, like you said, I mean, he's a, a perfect fit for this team, given that he's just a, a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, there really isn't another guy like him uh, on, on the roster, you know, from the standpoint of you, know, you just look at the floors and, and even the guards. I mean, Dylan Brooks is really the only guy that really comes close from a uh, – just a, a volume standpoint that Tolliver's had over the course of his career. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a three point specialist. He's a good locker room guy. Uh, when the, when he was released from Sacramento last week, you know, I certainly wondered if, you know, the Grizzlies would, they could play for him because, uh, he just fits. You know, he does exactly what the team needs. And, uh, we saw a little, little bit of that last night. Uh, I think he was three or four from three. Of course, a of that was in garbage time, but the fact that he played in, in the first quarter, uh, just shows how, important his skill set is. Uh, he came in, uh, wasn't even around for shoot-around that, that morning, uh, didn't have a practice with the Grizzlies under his belt. Uh, he was watching film uh, in the locker room during Taylor Jenkins' uh, you know, pregame talk with the media, so he really had a, a very loose idea of kind of what the Grizzlies' offense was. But just because he's a guy that you don't really have to do a whole lot with, I mean, you know, he stands at the corner or stands on the wing, wherever, and you just get, get him the ball when he's open. Uh, I mean, it helps the offense a, a ton. Um, and especially with, you know, Jaron and Clark out, you know, at least for another, uh, I think, six days. And in, in, in Jaron's case, Clark might be a little bit longer. Uh, you know, I expect that Anthony Tolliver will get a lot more minutes from, from here. Uh, this this offense really can't function without spacing. And now you have a vet who's been playing for 12 years, who, you know, his career mark for three is very good. And, you know, you don't have to do a whole lot with, with him. He has one job, but he can do it well.
0: It was actually a four for five from three last night. And now he's not going to shoot eighty percent from three every night. But again, like you mentioned, this guy—it it speaks to how how veterans just know, understand the NBA and basketball game. You know, he, he's a he's a long term NBA guy, understands what most offenses are trying to do. Because let's be honest, a lot of offenses are, are very similar with the sets they run. They're just variations of different things throughout the NBA. But this—he literally, like you mentioned, he walks into the arena. And basically just like a pickup game, just starts playing with the Grizzlies. And that, and I think that's a very good point you mentioned. It, it speaks to how important or how much they needed someone like him. Because I didn't honestly know if he was going to get any minutes. I was kind of curious to see if they would play him at all, really. But I, you see him go in in a regular kind of role, bench rotation immediately. And that goes, okay, Taylor was really – Clearly, looking for something else besides playing Utah Watanabe uh, for you know 10 12 minutes, whatever it is, per game, like he did on Friday or Saturday. So, um, they clearly need something else besides those two way guys, you know, just a better, a veteran NBA player. So, I thought that was to your credit, to your point. I, I think that's very important to note that they clearly needed someone like him to literally no shit around roll in the roll in the arena and just kind of just, you know what, here you are, here's kind of the offense, just uh, get open, and if you're open, shoot the three ball.
1: Yeah, you know, and Taylor doesn't run an overly complicated offense. You know, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty safe work, but it's the most, most part, uh, the, the core tenets of it are, are things you see in other offenses as well. Uh, you know, I can't say I'm overly serious with what he did in, in Sacramento, but, you know, this guy's also a, a dirty man and has been around a while. You know, Slade's. You know, I've seen every scheme, so I'm sure it wasn't hard for him to, you know, come in and have a generally pretty good idea of what he needed to do. And, uh, you know, and he you had know, a lot of open shots last night, too. So the Grizzlies certainly uh, made the game easier for him, uh, generating those open looks. So, I mean, it's, it's a good fit. Uh, you know, he's definitely going to get some run over the course of this 10 day deal. And, uh, and then after that, I'm just curious to see if he's a guy who could simply t- 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 stick around as well. Uh, simply because, you know, he, again, like he does, feel a like huge need, you know, especially, you, you know, with Jay Crowder, Tommy uh, Hill being out, you know, I could just or being traded, you know, not not out. He's he's the guy that provides some good depth and good locker room guy. You know, I'm wondering if he can stick around behind that 10 day deal.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought it was. Uh... I'm curious to know the same. Like, I think they'll probably. I wonder if I wonder if they're going to go. You know, you know, second ten day deal. Obviously, after the second ten day deal, you have to do something. Um, but I wonder if they're going to go second ten day deal or sign him for the year and just see how how things work out. Because I think you're right. I mean, they, you know, it's a good person to have on, on the roster, even if you know who knows how much you'll play when Brandon and Jaren get back. Because obviously, they, those are your guys, um, and they they need him to get through the stretch without those guys. But uh, you know, there's really no telling how much you'll play there. But like, it's a good guy to have on your roster you know, just in general like I think on the I think you were you were a person in the Atlanta game last night but they mentioned them on the broadcast there that like the first time out like he was like up talking to uh, talking to one of the players in terms of what they should or shouldn't do in certain situations so like that's it's just that's how much it, it's important sometimes to have that NBA kind of veteran experience on a team to just point guys in the right direction even if they're not playing just to have them go in the timeouts explain to younger guys where they should and shouldn't be in certain places.
1: For sure. And, you know, even if he doesn't get any minutes, you know, from this point on, once, once uh, Jared Jackson Jr., Brennan Clark come in, I think one, you know, just in case of another injury, I mean, you, you never know. Uh, you know, just to have that assurance is always good. And, uh, you know, I, and I think he works hard and he's played well. But, you know, Tolliver is a little bit more of a proven guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's a much better shooter. I think he just does more of what the team needs, uh, you know, and also from a, a, a veteran standpoint, you know, I'm sure he would be a guy who would embrace, uh, you know, just being that, that presence that these young guys can lean on a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's just been in every locker room. He's been in every situation. Uh, whenever you could have a guy like that, you know, I think it's probably better to hang on to him and let him impart that knowledge and be that steady and presence
0: yeah I think so too. it's It's important to have it's important to go have, especially going down to if you're going to make it the playoffs, get in that first round, all those type of things I think would be would be good to have throughout the rest of the year, even if you don't sign them for another year, just for the rest of the year, just to see what you know just to have them around the team. So let's take another quick break. we'll be right back. We'll talk about this Atlanta Hawks Grizzlies game that happened last night. Welcome back to the show. Talk with Amari Sankofa like we do every single week. Uh, on Tuesday, the Grizzlies won against the Hawks last night, 127-88. to 88. However, the uh, first half was not like that at all. Um, the Grizzlies had nine players in double figures. Gorgie was the uh, was the leading scorer. Uh, wh- what were your thoughts on this game last night? I think you were there in Atlanta. Um, thoughts on this game last night for the Grizzlies and Hawks?
1: I was in Atlanta, and it was, for one, it was a really weird game. Uh, I mean, I think you know—that's an understatement. Were, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, for both teams to be a combined, I think, three of twenty-three or 3 of twenty, whatever to start the game. Grizzlies Smith, eleven of their first twelve shots. Uh, they were probably uh, four dozen missed lobs. You know, mostly you know from Josh Jackson trying to hit John Concher, Uh, You know, I'm not sure what that was about. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah. You know, Josh Jackson also. I mean, I'm not trying to rock with Josh Jackson because he ended up being one of the, the best players on the floor, but he also had to wide open this dunk. Uh, You know, some goofy turnovers. I mean, it was probably the weirdest game of the season, and yet somehow the Grizzlies ended up winning by 39. Um,
0: yeah. You know, you
1: know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the biggest swing in the NBA is from you know deficit to lead, but for them to you know trail by nine midway way through the first quarter and then and then win by 39 is you know pretty impressive. But for one, the Hawks are not that great of a team. Uh, you know, I don't want to. You know, like I think the Lakers win obviously was far more impressive than this one because Atlanta just. I mean, they just couldn't get anything going. I mean, they were shooting 25. percent You know, at one point they were they were 10 for 40. You know, when a team shooting that poorly. Uh, you, you better win, you know, whether it's by one point or however, like you, you have to win when your opponent's shooting the ball that bad. But the Grizzlies overall just had good injury or good, good, um, energy. They had nine players in double figures and none of them scored in, uh, like more than 20 points, you know, it shows sort of how balanced the attack was. Uh Valentinus, of course had another good game. Uh Gorsi Zhang had another good game. Uh you know, Tyus Jones. All all the bench guys played well. And I think anytime you have a game where your bench leads you to victory, uh, that's always a good thing and both well for uh like the future games to come.
0: You know, I was that that Josh Jackson missed dunk was funny. I was watching the game. With my five year old, my little girl was in here with me in my office, and it, it happened. And I go, "Oh no, oh no, Josh!" I kind of, a, kind of exclaimed. And she goes, "Are you upset, Mister Josh?" And I was like, no. Nah. I was like, "Nah, that's kind of that's a bummer that has to happen because he was wide open." Uh, I just thought it was funny, but uh, that's, uh, you know, that's going to go down as one of the worst dunks in, in a long time for the Grizzlies for sure. But like you said, he made up for it. I thought he played really, really well, and has, has played well since he's been up with the team. I think um, last night you, you mentioned that they were ten for forty. Was this game for you more? Do you think it was more about the Grizzlies' defense or more about the Hawks' offense, or maybe a mixture of both?
1: I think it was a mix of both, uh, you know, the Hawks, you know, they they, they missed some ducks too, some lobs. Uh, it's honestly one of those games that it's just, I'm, like I think Trey Young said after the game, it's just one of those games you kind of throw away the film and move on. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Grizzlies just won't throw away the film of a, you know, a huge blowout win, but the Grizzlies missed a lot of easy shots too. I mean, they had a lot of bunnies at the rim. They I think, they missed, uh, you know, like beyond the Josh Jackson wide open missed duck. Uh, Dylan had a play where he stole the inbounds and, uh, I had a wide-open layup and missed the layup. And, uh, you know, they had they, they to get a tip in just to get the – no, actually, I think Zion for the tip and he got fouled and then he split the trip at, at the line. So, you know, you have two points ends up just becoming a one-point trip. It was just all, like all sorts of stuff like that where not a team really played that well. But, you know, if, if the Grizzlies play was like a B-minus, then, you know, the Hawks were like an ass basically. <laughs> um, so, you know, right. I don't want to – you know, credit the Grizzlies too much for, you know, what was a game that they should have won regardless. But anytime you could follow up a 20-point win with a near 40-point win and have nine guys scoring double tickets during it, I mean, that's always good. You know, was a game where they were supposed to take care of business, and they did. And, you know, that's all you could really ask for at the end of the day. Uh, they they took care of business. You know, they shook off the slow start, and they're shooting 50% for the game. Uh, shot well from 3A games, which is always good. Jenkins uh, mentioned that they had 30 assists, and the Grizzlies have them one of the best passing teams in the in the NBA, So it was good to see them continue that. Now, I mean, beyond the first seven, eight minutes of the game, they did everything that they're supposed to do. So uh, a good win for them, regardless of how many goofy players they were.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, the, the bench had, I think, 72 points total. Josh Jackson was four for seven. We mentioned Tolliver was four for five from three. Uh, Contra was two for two from three. Tyus hit a three. Uh, just all around a great game from the Grizzlies bench. And that that's going to be – it's always important in the NBA to have a good bench. I mean, clearly we've seen it time and time again, when you get into the playoffs, uh, that's a very, very important thing to have. And it would we'll be continued. And this is a bench that's been kind of a mixture of different people. This is a different bench than what it was even a month ago with, with De'Anthony Melton not on the bench, you know, technically playing the starting lineup now. So like um, we've seen, Players mix and match through Taylor Jenkins' tenure so far, and the bench still be really good. Uh, Tyus Jones was was amazing, or John Morant, or Tyus Stones, uh, which is an amazing nickname. I like that. Um, but he, I think that was probably one of his better games of the entire season. Fifteen points, nine assists. Uh, how, how important is Tyus Jones to this team?
1: Tyus has been huge. I mean, the Grizzlies have been consistently getting, uh, you know, 48 minutes of at least average point guard play every single night, uh, which is big. given that, you know, we've seen in recent years. Uh, the Grizzlies haven't been able to do that consistently. Uh, you know, I think Tyus has definitely shown that he's one of the better backups in the NBA. Um, I mean, really, since just been a He's really been phenomenal. He's been scoring the ball really well. His uh, turned over to something that extremely low. Uh, I think he just controls the pace of the game really well. And, uh, John doesn't, I mean, Jaw hasn't really had many, like, bad games per se, but he has had games where he's kind of not been able to get into his, his his usual rhythm. And I think we saw that last night, even though Jaw didn't really have a bad game either. Uh, but, you know, Tyus definitely playing with a bit more energy. And, uh, and whenever you can have a good game from Tyus, is, it's is always a, a good thing. I mean, when your backup point guard gives you 15 and nine, I mean, that's exactly what they signed him for last summer.
0: Yeah, I thought it was amazing. Um, and as a guy who was unsure about what Tyus Jones could bring uh, to this offense, I, I, am, I am so glad to be wrong because he's been amazing in terms of what the Grizzlies have needed over the course of this year. And like you said, John hasn't had a lot of bad games, but he, you know, Tyus has always been there, right there to steady the ship. And, and I think that's what we talked about in the summer. That's exactly what they wanted from Tyus Jones. Uh, Amari, I appreciate you joining me today. What can people read for me this week?
1: So uh, it's a, a very jaw heavy week. I had a story go up uh, Saturday night that I wrote with uh, our, our Lakers writer uh, Phil Oram about uh LeBron sort of becoming a mentor figure to to Jai and how Gian's embrace that. Uh this morning I got a story go up with the Hawks writer uh, Chris Kirsten there, about Ja and uh, Trey Young's uh developing friendship and they and they have a a deep mutual respect for each other. And then I have another job story coming out tomorrow morning ahead of the uh Road Nets game that I think people want to enjoy as well. So uh, you know, folks want jack content, I'll give it them jack content.
0: John mania from Amari over at the Athletic. Make sure you go subscribe to the Athletic. It's super easy. I promise you won't notice it come out of your bank account. I don't uh, every single month. Go subscribe to this podcast so you guys can keep hearing Amari and my conversation every single week. Amari, I appreciate it. Let's do it again next week.
1: Absolutely.